He decided reluctantly that in the interest of both his own reputation and his client's appeal, that this was not the time to start. But he wasn't too worried. What he had to say contained enough built-in drama to take the complacency out of their faces. Mr. Chairman, ladies and gentlemen, he began quietly. My client has been following a bipartite course at the college and the main ground of the academic board's decision to instruct her to withdraw was either in one part of the course that concerned with biology. The main evidence to this effect was given by Dr. Fallowfield, senior lecturer in that subject, and Miss Sewell's principal tutor. The girl stirred slightly at the name and with an almost unconscious movement of her left hand brushed the hair back from her face. She was very attractive. Pearl paused for effect. Captain Jessop made a moo of distaste at even this slight bit of dramatic business, and Pearl was glad he had tried no more. Today, her appeal comes before you, he went on flatly, avoiding any undue stress, and it is based on two things, a piece of information and an allegation. The information requires no comment from this body, I feel. We live in a modern era. It is this. For the past two years, until last term, in fact, Miss Sewell was the mistress of Dr. Fallowfield, the lecturer I have just mentioned. It is with reluctance that my client reveals this. It is with greater reluctance that she asserts that Dr. Fallowfield has deliberately falsified her assessment grades to bring about her apparent failure. The man on the ladder rested his elbow unselfconsciously on the shining brown breast. We could soar off at the ankles, he said reasonably. That'd be easiest. Otherwise, she's likely to come apart almost anywhere. One of his mates guffawed. The man on the ladder shot him a disapproving glance. Marion Cargo ignored him and concentrated all her attention on the eight-foot-high bronze nude which towered before her. She, Marion, not the bronze, was in her late twenties, as slim as the nude was Rubenesque, dressed in black slacks and a loose grey sweater, her only concession to the fact that she lectured in art at the college being her earrings, two crystals dangling at the end of long silver chains. There's a solid block of concrete down here as a foundation, you see, miss, explained the man. Uh, this thing's setting it. Pretty solid, too, I'd say. Otherwise, it'd have keeled over long since. Yes, I know, said Marion, but I'd rather the legs weren't cut. No one'd know, assured the man. We'll dig the base out separate, and they can be stuck back together later somehow if the thing's not going for scrap. She might lose half an inch or so, but she can spare it, eh? He slapped the nude affectionately. Like I say, no one had noticed. No one except the joker who'd made it, perhaps wherever he is. He laughed. That was me, said Marion calmly. But it's not just that. We'll have to think of a way. I don't want her cut. There are other reasons. She bent down and looked at the inscribed plaque set in the shallow platform on which the statue rested. To the memory of Alison Girling, 1916 
1966. A memorial is around you. She was conscious of the overall men regarding her with semi-amused eyes, but she made no attempt to brush the tears from her eyes before standing upright again. No, she repeated. I don't want her cut. There must be a way. Chapter 2 There is yet another fault often noted in learned men, that they do many times fail to observe decency and discretion in their behaviour and carriage. Sir Francis Bacon, The Advancement of Learning conversation stopped for a moment when Fallowfield came into the common room. He moved swiftly to the coffee table and waited till Miss Disney had poured herself a cup. A smile played around his lips as she replaced the coffee pot firmly on the table and moved away without a glance at him. He poured a cup and made a bit of business out of taking a couple of sips while he surveyed the constitution of the various groups scattered around the room. Grouping tended to be by departments for morning coffee. The geographers sat huddled together as though plotting some government's overthrow. The English department lay back easily in their chairs, not speaking, but with faint smiles on their faces as though someone had said, or was just about to say, something elegantly witty. Three mathematicians looked gloomily at each other, like unwilling companions on a long train journey. And the far end of the room... The historians were quarrelling again, just before the stage where objective social discussion became personal infighting. Henry Saltercombe, their departmental head, almost recumbent in the deep armchair which was his own, surveyed them beneath.